0: let turn to Psalm 96. Psalm 96 sets the pace for us a little bit this morning. Um, we're in the second week of a, a se- teaching series here on Sundays on corporate worship. We're also at the end of week one of the 30 days of prayer. And those two will parallel one another very closely because... Uh, as we are praying through the 30 days, all of our prayers are just, it's just telling God things about Him that we love and that we are thankful for. We're not asking Him to do anything. We're not asking to hear from Him. It isn't isn't—it isn't a receiving thing. It's just a, a giving to Him of gratitude over this next month. And so, if you're a part of that, then let's keep going. If you're not, then we're too late to jump in. Uh, you can, Sign up for that on these speakers down here. We have some paper copies of what the next week will look like. But really, we're doing it all over email. So you can leave your information there. We'll get it to you. Um, Psalm 96 opens up. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But look at the first part of Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. This is, i got to keep going. It's too good. Verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's do His name. Bring an offering. Come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, quote, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He'll judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes He comes to judge the earth. He'll judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Now, that is a song that's what the whole book of Psalms is filled with songs. And so that would have been sung, not necessarily just read. Now, it's powerful when you read it, but it's differently powerful when you sing it because God has built us to sing. And that's what I want to focus on this morning in the series on corporate worship. Uh, even that word worship it, deriving from the idea of worth worship. Uh, it is it is the worth of God. It is us, re- like realizing exactly who He is, and from who He is, He has done th- certain things that we've sung about this morning and celebrated uh, in uh, what He's done in Ella's life and Betsy's life. And then He's not only done things; He's doing things. Like in this moment, He's doing things all around the world. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And there's a future ahead of us where He's going to do things. And so it's it's our response. To all of that to say, this is what you are worth to us. And worship takes so many different forms. Prayer is worship, obedience is worship. Um, sharing, sharing that story of a hope with people, that is worship. It's all these different ways where you're like, God, you are worth, you are worth this much. Um, but singing is a really specific one. And that's what I want to focus in on this morning. Um, and so I know we're just in Psalm 96, but let's jump over to the book of Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 3. Let me talk about singing a little bit. Uh, if you travel around the world, and I know a lot of you have been able to do that, you will find music and singing in, uh, in every culture that you come to. And uh, that tells us something about how we're built. You know, that's not just like a trend. Or anything, it's not something that just kind of like spread around the world. That that is that shows you that we were we were made in the image of God with in really specific ways. And there's something about song that's really really special. And if you've been here uh, in the last couple of months, you know that I've kind of been uh, on a journey with another with uh, several other folks, just exploring a little bit of how like brain science and neuro uh, neurology and all that kind of stuff. Um, is helpful in understanding how we grow and transform and kind of how God built us. And uh, so I pursued that this last couple weeks specifically in regard to like worship services and then more specifically in regard to the music part of what we do. And found some very interesting things. Now, I'm, I'm not a non neurologist, I can barely say the word correctly. Uh, and so I'm not an authority on this, but let me just pass on what some other authorities talked about. Came across a lot of information about how our brains uh, engage with music so uniquely compared to other things. All these, the, all these scans and different things that they'll do, and how your brain is like, it just kind of lights up whenever music is happening which is not a coincidence. You know, like God made us that way on purpose. Um, one quote, i says, the music has been shown to activate some of the bro- broadest and most diverse networks of the brain. Um, so like the parts of the brain that involve our emotions, uh, you know, your brain is a, is a big network, and those things are always coordinating and they move at lightning speed, that kind of stuff, um, but they aren't always like synced up with each other. But when we are listening to music, and we were when we are singing and participating in music, there are things about your brain that are synced up that do not sync up in any other like in, in in other settings. It's really really special. Like your brain functions differently and is in more unity with itself uh, during times of music. Um, music a- activates a, a variety of the regions of your brain where memories are stored. And one thing that you'll see is in working, if you've ever been around someone that has Alzheimer's or people who work with Alzheimer's patients, music therapy is an incredibly effective tool in regard to connecting with them. And, uh, when, before COVID, you know, messed everything up, uh, we were doing a a little, a little worship service at Flannery Oaks Nursing Home, you know, like I think every other week. And, it was always the same thing. Everyone would come together and we'd walk around and talk to them and it was super cool and then we would sing and their, their faces would just light up and they would, they would sing, they would remember all, the, all the, the words of the hymns and all the stuff and they would ask for really specific songs sometimes and all that. And then someone would get up to, do, to teach the Bible and then they would all fall asleep. <laughs> because we are engaged differently when music is happening. And some of you know that very well. You love, you might love the music part of a church service, and the teaching part is just, it's hard to track along with. Well, that's because your brain's doing diff- different things, um, and so the the fact that music will engage our memories is really different. You know, they say that music is like closest thing to a time machine that we'll ever have, and that's how God designed us. Um, music activates our the, our motor system, like in your brain. That's why. When music starts to play, uh, sometimes you you'll start tapping your foot, or you'll clap along, or you'll dance, or you'll do whatever because like it, music and once your brain gets to and it it works its way out physically. The only, only good music, of course, but it does that to us on purpose. It activates the motor system. Um, we see all these things like when if you go to an LSU football game, right? Like there's a stadium full of people and they're. Yes, they're watching the sport being played on the field, but what really gets the stadium going is the music that they play or that the band plays and all the chants and all the different things that are going on. That's what makes the experience happen. And the music part of a football experience like that is different. Um, If you go to a wedding, the music that's a part of a wedding is such a big part of that celebration. If you go to a funeral and... Uh, they're honoring someone who has passed. The music that's a part of that is such a significant thing. Uh, even our holidays, you know, there are very specific songs that go with different holidays. And so the, all of this is really, is, is how God made us to function. One of the, the neurologists that I've followed, is his name is, is Dr. Jim Wilder. And he's also, he has, like, he has theological training as well. And he points out, you know, he says, when people are in distress they don't necessarily grab onto quotes they grab onto songs like you find yourself singing whenever you're in distress you find yourself singing if you're needing to like soothe yourself even as a young child you'll find children humming and singing along as a as a way to like regulate themselves it's it's a part of how we were how we were built in fact this this guy goes on to say in this lecture I was listening to um, that when Jesus is on the cross, this is fascinating to me, Jesus is on the cross and he quotes Psalm 22. He said it's probable that Jesus didn't speak that, that Jesus sang it. Because that would have been a messianic psalm that was sung in in the synagogue and as a part of like everyone would have known that it would have been a melody. And so there's no way to know for sure, but he said probably Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, and was singing in that moment in his distress. And that talk about changed the way you think about it, right? He goes on to explain all, all kinds of things about what Jesus was saying on the cross and how that ties to the, to the 22nd Psalm. And that in his, in his opinion that Jesus probably sang the entire thing, we just have the, you know, the, the first line that's quoted there, but he probably went through the whole thing based on this and this and this. And so to think about what's happening in that moment, which I'll come back to you in, in a few minutes, uh, there's, if that's true... Think about how much that has already changed the way we've thought about that moment. A song is different. Music is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but we have to recognize that in terms of corporate worship, when it comes to the musical part of what we do together, specifically the singing, God has some strategy for us. So Colossians 3.16 Says this: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, going to read, read that again. Uh, add some a little bit of filler in. Okay, so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So, what's what's the word of Christ? Could be a number of things, but you're thinking about the, like, basically the, the truth and the fullness of who Christ is. Let that dwell in you richly. How? Well, by teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. How do we do that? By singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That we are here in a room like this, gathered together for worship. And we worship in all these different ways. But when it's time to sing, we're doing something really specific. That singing is spiritual formation for us. It is how we take the truth of God, the word of Christ, and for it to to richly dwell within us, and for us to teach one another and admonish, or to to kind of warn, you know. We do that in part when we sing, Together, you think about the songs that we have sung this morning already. Think about what those lyrics have done done for us. For some, it reminded you of something. For some, it presented truth in a way way maybe you haven't thought about. For some, it, it it perhaps convicted you a little bit. For some, you needed to be reminded that God is a lion fighting our battles. For some, you need to be reminded that he is a lamb. Not only the tenderness and the shepherding part of that, but, but also the fact that he sacrificed his life for you. The fact that God is a bunch of things at one time and he's what you need him to be in this moment. Maybe, maybe that was forgotten about because of the week you've had or the month you've had or the years that you've had. Maybe you were doing good just to get into the room. And then when you got here, they had to bring out more chairs, and you almost left. And then then they start singing, our God is a lion. The way that that teaches and shapes us and forms us and molds us, not just the kids among us, but the adults as well. Uh, God wired us up. He literally like formed our brains to connect with music in such a way. And so when when the Bible tells us to sing, like it does in Psalm ninety six, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. Saying, Hey, don't don't get stuck in the in the patterns of the world and all the just all the garbage that exists out there. Like don't don't forget who God is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach one another, admonish one another, sing to one another. Sing those hymns, sing those songs, sing, sing the the truth of God with thankfulness in your hearts. See, it's it's not just what you do to get warmed up for the sermon. It's not just what you do to process the sermon. It's not just what you do because we've always done it. You know, it's strategic on the part of God. If you would, go, go over to Ephesians 5, two, two books over. Paul says something similar here, but it's phrased a little differently I think is helpful. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit... Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, Lots in there, right? But look at verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, make a melody to the Lord with your heart. That when we are singing together, we are addressing one another. It might seem a little strange, like if we walked around and sang right in each other's faces, like that would be a little bit strange. But but that God is using our corporate times of singing and musical worship to speak something to one another. Just like I was saying a minute ago, in terms of, of... uh, teaching one another and admonishing one another, we're we're communicating with each other. We're saying, "Hey, don't forget what's true. Hey, don't forget where our hope is found. Don't forget what Christ has done. You can keep going. You're not alone." When you stand up and you felt isolated all week or whatever it may be, you stand up and a bunch of voices around you start to sing. You know what happens? You're like you're reminded, like, "Oh yeah, you're part of a you're part of a family." This has happened a lot of other places. As we begin to sing and address one another we're saying, "Hey brother, hey sister, you're not by yourself. We're with you." And we bring ourselves under this banner of who God is and what he has done, and so we never walk alone. That we're addressing not only one another, but more importantly, we're addressing the Lord. We're saying, God, we we recognize who you are. This is who we have experienced you to be. Yes, the Bible says you are a lion and you are a lamb, but we have experienced it to be true for ourselves. And we want you to know that. There's this, this vertical sense where we're telling God to his face, we love you. We know who you are. It is not lost on us that you are holy, that you are love. We will ascribe to you the greatness and the glory that your name deserves. Like We are your people. It is a direct address to the Lord and a direct address to one another. All that happening when the drummer hits the sticks together four times and the song starts. And we stand up and we begin to sing. That God is doing so much more in those moments. That that is His intent and His heart, and why He has given us this instruction. It is very possible to just to, to cruise through corporate worship, worship experiences and not tap into any of that goodness. It really, it is. We've and we've all done it, right? We've all stood because we were supposed to stand. We've sung along because we are supposed to sing along. We bowed our heads and close our eyes during the prayer because we're supposed to do it. Like we've, we've gone through the motions. We've all been there. But what God is calling us to, though, is, is a deep and a wide understanding of what is happening when we're together. And he's inviting us to more. He's inviting us to more all the time. singing is vital in terms of life together and there's a deep deep power in what happens that we must not underestimate or undervalue now sometimes there's there's resistance to the musical part of worship and singing and there certainly is like a like I personally like I get I get a lot of it you know like I understand it as a as a human being, I feel like we there are times when we're all in for this as believers. We're like, yes, I cannot wait to gather and to sing and to just do the whole thing. And other times, you're like, I'm just not I'm not there. And there's a bunch of reasons for that, i just made a little list because I like lists. But sometimes the musical part of worship can be hard, you know. Part of it is because there's so much variance from church to church and from uh, like upbringing to upbringing. And then it morphs over the years and keeps changing, you know. And, and that can be, that can be difficult. If, if, if what has happened here musically so far today and continues to happen might be really different than what you come from, either as a child or as a young adult or maybe even just over the last few weeks. You might be visiting with us today because of the baptisms. Uh, you might be like, this is different. Like, yeah, okay. It, It, yes. And that can be a, a, you can, we can be resistant to things that feel different in those ways. It also varies person to person, you know. Some people are really vocal, like singing loud, loud, loud. Uh, I remember the first time I went on a Mexico mission trip with the BCM, and we had a Sunday worship service, and I was like, every person in this, in this church in Mexico, every person here is convinced that they're awesome singers. <laughs> <laughs> loud. Top of their lungs. And then some people don't sing at all. Some sing just kind of softly, you know. Some are very like physical, like like the like the rhythm got them. Like Gloria said, you know, like it's like there's like it's working its way through. Sorry, not in my notes. But uh, sometimes that you know, there's people who are really physical, and there's some people that you don't know if they're alive or not. You know, like it's it's just a lot of variance there. Sometimes the. The style of the song, uh, the, the, the approach, the song itself. Sometimes you're like, I've never heard this song in my life, or this one, or this one. Um, sometimes we, we wish we had never moved away from what we grew up with, or maybe never, never you know, engaged in this thing, or this thing, or this thing. Some of it is we resist it because getting in a room full of people and singing is not normal behavior. You, know, like you don't do that very often. If you're in a choir, you do that. If you're, in an, if you're in an opera or a musical, you do that. Other than that, we don't get in groups of people and just start singing. So it's not necessarily a normative kind of thing for us. Uh, some of you resist or are resistant to the music in, in the worship service because in your church experience, music has been divisive. Because you've seen the battles between one generation and another generation because you've watched uh, youth groups get stifled after they come out from camp you know like you've you've watched music be used by the enemy to split us and divide us some of you are resistant because you've seen it you see music be an emotionally manipulative experience and so you don't necessarily trust something that is so uh, that is as emotionally engaged as music can be because you've seen it abused um, some of you are self-conscious about your voice. Some of you are self-conscious about your sense of rhythm, and that has you has you stifled a little bit. Some of you struggle because the music is too loud. Some of you struggle because the music is too soft, and we are always trying to find that sweet spot in there because you want it to be loud enough to where like you feel like you're not singing a solo on stage. But uh, if it's too soft, you feel like you're singing a solo on stage. And so that kind of like messes with us a little bit. Um, Some of you are just not that into music. You're just like, I'd just rather somebody preach the, I'm not just not into that part of it. And some of you are so into the music that you're distracted because you're trying to figure out what the guitar players are doing. Or how did Cody just play that amazing fill, you know, whatever it may be. you're so focused on that. And some of it is like we, we as a culture struggle with focus because we are so overstimulated in our lives because of screens uh, and screens and screens. It's constant. Some of you can't pay attention in church because you have a watch attached to your wrist that goes off every so once in a while and you have to look at it. We're so overstimulated that we don't know how to focus. There once was a time when you could be in a room and people could, someone could drop something, someone could get up and go to the bathroom, whatever it may be, and it just didn't like take you out of a moment. But every little thing that piles up takes us out of moments. I watch it every week. And that's not an indictment or an accusation. I'm just saying I, I understand that it, this can be hard sometimes. The musical part of worship can be difficult sometimes to fully give yourself to. Our our church here is a is a merger of different groups that started in 2018. But if you trace our history back on the Living Hope side, before we were Living Hope, we were we were a uh, college ministry called the Ring, and we met on Sunday nights at seven thirty. We started at seven thirty uh, or eight, you know, whatever. Um, and we did like eight songs, nine songs, and there was teaching and there was prayer. And we met in a gym, there's lots of room and there was all this kind of stuff. We were all like in our like college and young adult, you know, part of life and everything and we just had a lot of time. And now we just don't have as much time, do we? We're trying to honor your time in putting the worship service together. We're trying to make it as meaningful as we can. We have really hard-working musicians and volunteers taking care of all the, the, the tech side of things. We have child care we have all our teams. We're trying to do all this stuff. We're trying to honor everyone's time in the morning. And sometimes, don't you just wish we weren't in such a rush that we could just let the moments just go, you know? So I'm not, again, it's not an indictment against anything. I'm just saying, like, I, I think we all understand that there are some obstacles in our way. There are some things about us and in our flesh and in our preferences and there's an enemy who's trying to fan that into flame to keep us from just going completely as deep as we can in the time that we are together with the Lord. And we got to recognize that. God's created this really powerful beautiful thing and we have an enemy who hates it. And we have a flesh that resists it because it's purifying, it's refining no coincidence that that Paul said uh, you teach one another and you admonish one another. That's a positive word. Teaching, yeah, that's really, really good. Admonish means warn. Who wants to be warned? Only the humble, you know. And so when we're together, God has given us this incredible opportunity to say yes to. We have to recognize the fact that there are some things stacked up against us. And I want to very quickly speak to a, a few of those things if I if I can. One As far as all the churches being different and all the morphing that happens and all that, you know, I had a professor in seminary that you know, he said, "Hey, never never forget that the church is a, she's alive. Like she's a living organism. She's not an organization." She lives, she breathes, she hurts, she grows. She has times of triumph and times of struggle. And as the church grows and morphs and changes, that means that we are growing and morphing and changing. And so yes, there are going to be differences among all the different local churches. And some are going to take this approach to musical worship. And some are going to take this approach and this approach. And maybe that's great. Maybe that's exactly what God had in mind. And maybe we need to recognize that as we as individuals grow deeper, our worship should also morph and change. That we should be open to the the fact that as our relationship matures with Him, just like all our earthly relationships, that those expressions of worship should also mature and grow and change. That we're always like recognizing the... The progressive, like forward-moving nature of what it means to be a part of something that's alive, and maybe what that will do is that'll make us a little slower to try to uh, like immediately snuff out change or things that are different. One of the things we one of the things we have to do as a congregation is be looking forward. The fact that the next pastor of this church is probably uh, walking around among us already, you know, that we're looking forward, and that if if music begins to change in such a way that this younger generation connects to, we who are we who are older than them have to say, "That's fantastic! Let's make the changes," because we're going to hand this to them, right? Like it's theirs. That we. We have to see it that way because the church is alive, and for us, as we are growing and changing, our worship should also be morphing and changing and growing. As far as variance among us, some people, you know, some people sing really loud, some people don't. Some people are really physical uh, in in their worship, and some people are not. You know, comparison will always, always hinder us. I think God just wants you to be yourself. I don't think you need to look around and say, "Like, man, everybody in this room has their hands up, so I better put my hands up." Everybody in this room is clapping on the correct beat, and so I better also clap on the correct beat. Half the room has their eyes closed, and half of them done. I'm lost. I'm not sure which side to choose. I think God just wants you to be yourself for your response to his worth to just be sincere and open and good and at the same time for you to be okay with other people having their expressions as well you know, I don't think he wants us to all be the same that's why we're all so different so just be yourself don't, don't worry about that if you're not a loud singer don't be a loud singer if you're not a put a, your hands in the air person don't put your hands in the air just be you with that being said it does seem that god is always like pushing us doesn't it that if my relationship with him is deepening and my love for him is deepening then my expressions should be deepening in other words i shouldn't worship the same way that i that i did 10 years ago My personal worship should have evolved and deepened if my love for Him is deepening and evolving, right? That's how it should be working. And so perhaps God wants us to like to push ourselves a little bit, you know? Because in in every area of life, not every area of life, in many areas of life, what is happening on the inside of you will work its way out physically. You meet someone for the first time, you reach out, you shake their hand. You see someone you're happy to see, you smile. Maybe you hug them. You see someone who is sad, you you are also sad. You sit with them, maybe you hug them as well. If you're at a baseball game, your kid gets a base hit, you scream and yell and make a big old scene. If you're at the LSU game and they score a touchdown, you start hugging strangers around you. It's the only other place where that's allowed. You go to Mardi Gras and they're trying to throw you like strings of plastic. And your hands are in the air for them. Like, it's normal for us to feel something and for that to become physical. Why should church musical worship be different than that? Maybe the Lord wants to, us to challenge ourselves to say, if I am feeling something deeply, am I giving, do I feel permission to let, to let that be expressed physically? And do I see that as a good thing? Not as a have to, but that as a it's okay to. That That's my hope as a pastor. is that It's not that we would have a congregation where everybody's doing the same exact thing. I just want it to be a place where you feel like it's okay. It's okay if you want to raise your hands. It's okay if you want to close your eyes. It's okay if you want to stand there completely still and just absorb the moment. It's okay if you want to come down here and kneel and pray. It's okay if you want to go off in the corner back by yourself because your friends are sitting too close to you. You know, like whatever it might be, that it's okay for that. But that you don't feel like you have to do it because God's not looking at you saying you got to do this. Otherwise, I'm not worth anything to you. But that we just feel the freedom to express those things because music is most—it's emotional. Emotion isn't bad. For some reason, that has crept its way in there. It's like, oh, if it's emotional, it must be, must be bad. No. God made us in his image. God emotes. He has emotion. And that was broken by the fall, but healed by the cross. And so he's teaching us how to let our emotions play the role they're supposed to play. And so if something is moving you and you want to cry, then you just need to cry. There's nothing weak about that. There's there's nothing to be mocked about that. If you are overjoyed with your understanding of the gospel and you're singing about that, and you want to sing loud, sing loud. There are times when I love I love to sing loud and put my hands in there, and there are other times when I just like to stand there and just listen to what's happening. I understand what it's like to be in your head and to overthink what's happening. And I also know what it's like to just be free in that moment where it's almost like just you and the Lord, oh yeah, and your community too. It's this incredibly beautiful thing. And so God's vision for music seems to be really, really purposed. And while this series is not just about music, today is. And I hope that this has been helpful and so, what we're going to do is we're going to sing because if you've never been here before, it's kind of what we do on on the back end as well as we respond. But first, we're going to we're going to pray. I'm um, going to guide us through a time. And so, uh, we're in the 30 days of prayer, and uh, let's stand, Let's stand together. We're in the 30 days of prayer. We are praying just prayers of thanksgiving and gratitude, and so I'm going to lead us through that. If you want to stay where you are, you can stay where you are. If you want to kneel where you are, you can do that. But also I also like to just invite you to come and kneel down here at the steps. Uh, not that there's anything magical about that, but there are times when, like physically getting out of your chair and coming down here is a good thing. And so, once you go ahead and move, move down. Come on down this way if that's you. But I'm just going to guide us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to sing together. Nobody's coming down. That kind of kind of concerns me. Anybody want to come down here and kneel? No. All right. If you want to, as we pray, uh, we promise not to look. All right. Let's uh, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's think just for a second. If you were a part of the a part of the thirty days of this week, we looked at Jesus as our prophet. And how Jesus, much like the prophets in the Old Testament, he he comes and he speaks the words of God to us. But he's not just a, he's not a middleman; he's the source of the words because he's God Himself. That he comes in person and reveals the character of God to us. That he brings the truth of God to us. That he is unafraid to tell us the hard things. They, even though a lot of people didn't realize he was the prophet that had been promised, you know the one they were waiting on, uh, for us to tell him like we know we know exactly who you are. So let's take a few minutes. let's thank him for playing that role in our lives, for bringing to us the very words of God in first person. Thank him for revealing the character of God to us. That now we can know what God is like. We don't have to wonder because we can just look at him and we see it. Here's some of his words where he reveals his character. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. take a moment and just tell him thank you for extending that invitation to you and for going to such great lengths to make sure you could hear it just tell him thank you tell him anything else anything else you want to tell him right now anything else that's on your heart God we thank you for the way that you have created us we thank you for the role that you play I mean there's many roles we thank you for Specifically, this week, the role of prophet. Thank you for speaking your words to us. Thank you for bringing truth to us. Thank you for making sure that all these years later we knew that the invitation is still open for us to come to you. We who are weary, we are, who are burdened. Thank you for continuing to offer us rest for our souls. In these next few moments as we worship through song or you can continue to pray whatever response is I pray that you help us to express our gratitude to you through song and we would do so in spirit and in truth